0: there's a little God mentality about the Christian church in the year 2016 it's been about for some time and this little God mentality is us being the God of this earth us being the God whom God will do what we want to do as we want him to do it and when we want him to do it no he alone is God and his will be done so what I've decided to do is, as I've written for tonight and of the message sitting prepared, let come and see the sovereignty of God. I prayed about it and I got some thoughts and ideas and every time I've sat down to write I realized I just took a blank. I couldn't get anything on the paper. I just felt the Lord say to me, open up where you were last week and they'll fill your mouth and you can do the rest. So Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8. And what we will do is, instead of reading and then expounding, we're just going to expound some things in the way through this chapter. Some things may be a little like a bale of hay, seem a little dry and hard to swallow all at once, and maybe choke you a little. I, I find it hard to accept that and hard to take that, but... If you do, it'll be great medicine for you. And in this also, we're going to see not only the sovereignty of God, because God is sovereign over all things. He's sovereign at all times as well. There's not a time, there's not a moment, there's not a second, a a minute, a day, or an hour in your life where God is not over your life, that he is sovereign. Let me give you an idea of the sovereignty of God in healing. Just a few weeks ago, after the Sunday evening service, i realized someone wrapped my door and says that uh, Sandra Payton here was uh, looking for me. And I, Daniel and Paul, were around for a cup of tea after church before they headed away home. And as I looked at my phone, I didn't have it on me. There was 13 missed calls. I thought something's wrong. And her, and her, her, her husband, Jeffrey, had been taken into hospital. And by the time we went over and Daniel went with me, we went into the room with the family at their request. The doctor sat down and said to Sandra, and I was sitting right next to her with my arm around her, there's no hope. We've done all we can. There's nothing more we can do. We're only going to make him comfortable, and we'll move him from intensive care into a side ward just to make him comfortable, and we'll do our best until he goes. So we prayed. And things seemed to get worse, by the way. The next day seemed to get even worse and go downhill. So I went back over and we prayed again. They got his sons around him and Sandra and we prayed again around and he was in a bad way. And I went home and by the next morning, I get a phone call. I'm driving over to see them again. And on the way over, I get a phone call and I say it's Sandra and I'm driving my car not far from the hospital. And I said, oh no, here it is. Here's the bad news then. And Sandra's voice says, Ken, hold on a minute. And I thought she was unable to talk. Next thing a voice came on, and it was Jeffrey. All right, what about you? (laughs) I Jeffrey. Isn't it great how we always have faith that God can do it, but whenever God does it, he always surprises us. And God can surprise you with whatever you need, whatever difficulty you're facing. And by the time I got there, Jeffrey had been sitting in his chair, out of bed, eating his lunch. And Jeffrey's home now, and he's doing well. Now, they said, the doctor said, nothing else we can do. We've given him everything. We'll make him comfortable till he passes. And all the family were in the room. You were there too. He said, well, let's see what God will do. See, he's sovereign even over what the, the last report of the doctors are. He's sovereign over everything. At all times, God is sovereign. He gives a husband back to a wife and a father back to sons don't you lose heart because God can give you back that which the locust and the canker worm and the palmer worm have eaten and even at the last minute at the last breath He give it now this isn't part of what I had planned to say it's just come out to try and encourage someone that it's never over till God says it's over We see God's sovereignty right through the Bible, but in Romans chapter 8 it says, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, brothers and sisters, we don't want to spend too much time here, for I spoke on this last week. I want you as a Christian, if you're a blood washed, born again believer, I want you to see the security of the believer in Christ. The ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, that as He lives in you, that you will see the security you have because your salvation is not of yourself, it's all of Him. Your keeping is not of yourself, it's all of Him. And He will keep you to the end. You see, Christ didn't come to die for you, to you to go to the devil's head. Do you know that? There's no way Christ could have shed His blood and people be lost. He came for his own. He shall save his own people. And having loved his own, he loved them unto the end, John tells us. Now, if you're one of Christ's own, then you are Christ's eternally. The difference here, it says, there is therefore no, now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. The idea is who constantly and consistently keep walking in an open course of sin of the flesh, the desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh. And what he's really saying here is is you're not going to be condemned because you fall, because you live in flesh. You're not going to be condemned because you feel, because you are flesh. He says the condemnation is here is you living in it and loving it like that. Living continually in an open course of sin, then condemnation will come. First of all, if you have, as I told you last week, if you have a a consciousness of God, then conviction will come to your heart. I've done this, I've been here, I've said that, or whatever, and I continually, habitually keep in that realm. Then we wonder where that person is with God. Are they saved at all? A heart that deliberately goes out to sin, a heart that deliberately, continually orders their life to walk in sin. A good tree cannot bring forth good and bad fruit. A good tree may sometimes bring forth a weaker fruit than the rest of the fruit or some of the fruit. But it cannot bring forth the bad fruit. In other words, continually bring forth every harvest bad fruit. And if you're continually every harvest bringing forth bad fruit, habitually living in a lifestyle of sin, then you must ask yourself, am I truly saved? Am I really saved? Because the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Spirit in Christian life and living is this, that he draws you to Christ that you'll be saved, but he lives in you that you will stay saved. (laughs) That's the idea of it. And he seals you. Condemnation may come from those whom you've hurt. It's up to us to try and go and reconcile that difference. And if they don't, at the reconciliation, if they don't want to know it and you've come with a heart and say, I've hurt you, I've annoyed you, I've I've done X, Y, Z, you, and I'm sorry for that, and I'm repentant of that, and truly from a heart you mean that, and they don't accept that, then you're still free of that because then it lies with them. It lies with that man and woman, that person whom you have went to. So then there's no condemnation on you. You see, you're not living in a realm of that. The idea is to order your life in a sphere of the flesh or sin. And if a man and woman does that, then we have to ask, where is the Holy Spirit in this? We looked last week, for example, at salvation in this chapter, where the Holy Spirit draws us to Salvation. This bit of we chose Christ is not scripturally true. Christ chose you. The Father gave you to his Son. Notice this. Verse 3 says, For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. In other words, the law is perfect. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. In other words, if we were able to keep the law every moment, every second, every waking and sleeping hour in our mind, our will, our deeds, and our thoughts, our actions from our heart, if we were able to do that, then we would be saved. But the problem is we can't. We can't. A chain is only as strong as its weakest link. And every one of us has a weak link or two or few or many. And that weak link will always let us down. And so, whenever we look at the ten moral commandments, we look at it and say, well, this law is perfect. If we walk in the fruit of the Spirit every moment, every hour, every second of every day. I mean, every time, not once, not once in a a very thought, in a very place you place your eyes, in a a word of speech that has went out of place. If we can walk like that for 24-7, seven days a week, as it were, for the rest of our lives from birth right through, if we could do that, then we would be keeping the moral law of God, the Ten Commandments, because they're written on our hearts and the Spirit guides us by that. And if we were able to do that and live by the fruit of the spirit, we're keeping the moral law. And if we can keep the moral law, then we would be saved. But we can't because we're human and we sin. We fail every single day on multiple occasions according to the law of God, and see it's weak through the flesh. Nothing wrong with the law. There's nothing wrong with the law. We hear all oh, the law, the law. There's nothing wrong with God's law. There's something wrong with you and me. That's the problem. It's weak through the flesh. God sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemns sin in the flesh. And we looked at it last week. Here's your salvation work. Only Jesus, out of all the humans that ever lived in the face of this earth at any time, He alone, the Son of God, He alone was able to keep the law. He alone was able every moment, every second, there wasn't even a thought came from him that was against his father. There's not one of them that broke the law. And so because he kept that, remember I said, my brother, big brother, I never had a big brother, but he steps in where the law points to me and it says, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're lost. You're never going to make heaven. Glory is not for you. You're bound for a lost eternity. You're going to go to hell. Jesus keeps it for me, steps in between me and the law and says, son, I've got it for you. Trust in me. He says it for you. Trust in me. And so, when God sent his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, in other words, in our flesh, he was fully human. He condemned it for us. That which condemned me, Jesus condemned. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walked not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In other words, he kept that that we would live right. Did you hear that, brother sister? It isn't he kept that, that we can hyper-grace it and under the blood it and all that sort of stuff, and we are under grace, and we are under the blood of Jesus, but it's this, we can live how we like. No, no, the righteousness is that he kept it for us. We live in him, so we are being conformed to his image, so we are to walk right before him. It's a lifestyle to live. And because we're not walking ordering our life in the sphere of the flesh, then we order it in our life in the sphere of the spirit, so there's no condemnation. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. here is the, the change of the desire of the man and the woman. You're saved? you're righteous, In Christ, even though you're failing every day, positionally in Christ, he's kept it for you. We're walking right. We're living our best according to the word of God. We're being led by the Spirit. And yes, we'll still fail because we're in flesh. But notice, our change of desire is this, that when you get saved, your life changes. Your desires change. Oh, yes, your flesh may lust from time to time for certain things, different things. Various things. But the Spirit overcomes the flesh and we learn to live more in the Spirit. Listen, see if you're angry all the time. That's your flesh, that's not the Spirit. See if you have a better heart, that's, not, that's your flesh, that's not the Spirit of God. So it's not going out and fornicating or drinking and taking drugs and like. It's not only about all that. It's, it's about what you are. In private, it's about what you are at home, in the church, or wherever. So we walk after the things of the Spirit. First 6 says, For to be carnally minded is death. Notice this. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. And a lot of times our minds on carnal things and it brings us death, as it were. But spiritually minded brings us life and it brings us peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So the mind that is flesh, he says, the law, the ten moral commandments of God, the fleshy mind goes, I can't do this, but the Spirit leads us into it to walk in it. Even though we don't realize it at times, he causes us to walk in it. Verse 8 says, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. You're glad you're in the Spirit this morning, aren't you? Aren't you glad that you're born again and you're washed in the blood? You're glad that you're trusting in Christ and Christ is living in you. You're glad that you're forgiven of your sin. You're glad that even though you fall and even though you failed him, even though you falter at times, even though you go wayward and you're weak and you're watery at times, and so am I, aren't you glad that his grace carries us on? Aren't you glad of these things, brothers and sisters? So this morning, you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. So it be if the spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he has none of his. So what we're looking at is religion, organized religion. Here we can look at uh, Judaism or other religions of the day, but we can look at our own religions, even if you want in Protestant denominationalism or Roman Catholicism or whatever we want to call it. there are many who think that the format of the meeting the format of the meeting is what matters. But we looked last week as once we say, we don't do it like that, and we don't have it like this, and we don't do it that way, and we don't want it like that, then we're putting us in where God, the Holy Ghost, should be. It's not we, we, we. It's you, Lord. You, Lord, you, Lord. It's him. And so we must leave room. We must leave it open for the Spirit of God to move in a meeting, move in our life, move at home, wherever he is. And it's Lord, this isn't the way I usually do things. What we want, the Lord says, no, but this is the way I'm doing it. And if Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. So we, here we have salvation, now we have sanctification. In other words, because of the spirit of life, he is in us, he's sanctifying us, he's setting us apart. Notice this we have resurrection in the next verse. But if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwell in you. So if you're saved, the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead, what is the spirit of him that it's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit of God. And if the Holy Spirit of God raised Jesus from the dead, lifted him after on the third day, after he was dead, he was, as it were, extinct of life. He gave up himself. And if he went into a tomb and found him there and raised him from the dead, then surely he can do the same for you. And at the day of Christ's return, he will quicken your mortal bodies by his Spirit that dwelleth in you. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live after the flesh. For if you live after the flesh, you shall die. But if you live through the Spirit, do you mortify the deeds of the body, you shall live. Paul's talking about a lifestyle here. Look, as a, I'm a Pentecostal, you know that. That's why we're a Pentecostal movement. But I'm a Pentecostal by experience. Big difference here. People think being a Pentecostal is playing music, having drums and guitars and keyboards and organs and all that, and lifting up our hands and clapping them. That's not Pentecost. Pentecost is a move of the Holy Ghost, a baptism and the infilling of the Spirit. That's Pentecost. That's the experience of Pentecost. The experience of Pentecost, and I, even though I'm... I'm a Pentecostal. The, the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit is for every believer. Not only for the infilling of the Spirit, but the, the ministry of the Spirit is for Christian life and living. That's what we're looking at here. For he allows us, he enables us, he endures us with power that we can live right for Christ. We're sanctified, we're saved, we're sanctified. So it's not all about just the ministry of the Spirit as in the gifts of the Holy Ghost that he gives the spiritual gifts, but rather it's through for Christian life and living. Notice this, what it says here. Verse 14 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. I want to just show you something for a moment. See the word sons. There's two main words for sons in the New Testament. That is in the Greek New Testament. One is huios huios Would you say huios Would you say it again? huios And the other one is tachnon. Tachnon. Would you say tachnon? There you are. There's your Greek lesson for the day. Okay. Now, huios and tachnon are similar but differ somewhere. Here the word is huios if you're led by the Spirit of God, ye are the sons of God, You are the heirs of God. You and I are the heirs of God. Listen, the difference is it doesn't change you in your standing with Christ when you're saved, but it's your understanding of Christ when you're saved. That's the difference here. It doesn't change your standing in Christ when you're saved, but it, it's your understanding of Christ when you're saved. In other words, let me show you. The words here for sons of God, weus. Let me read on. For you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. See the word adoption. And this is a big, long word. I won't get you to say it because I'm not sure if I can pronounce it or not. I've just written it on the flyleaf of my, of my Bible. It's the word, and it comes from huios that we mentioned for son. And thesis, which means to place or to set. In other words, it means to place or to set someone as a son of God, a child of God, a daughter. To place them in a place, to set them in an order as a child of God. And the word adoption comes from the same word, sons. Now, the second word for sons, technon. I'll tell you what, if you'll briefly flick just quickly, we'll not read too much because we were singing longer today and time's really flowing. But if you were to go to uh, 1 John, John's first first epistle, please. And chapter 3, verse 1 says, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Notice the word. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew not him. See the word sons there in sons of God? It's the word technon. But yet here in Romans chapter 8, Paul says that if we're led by the Spirit of God, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God, the huis. What is the difference? The difference is this. Technon simply means those who are born sons. In other words, you're a child of God when you're saved, you're born again. And us means those who have grown up into that which they have been born for. Tacnon is born. John says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of Tacnon of God, the ones who have been birthed by the Holy Ghost, the ones who have been washed in the blood, the ones who are born again of the Spirit, the children of God. And it's not great to know that, brothers and sisters. That's who you are. But there's something more for you in your Christian life and living. Romans chapter 8, if we are led by the Spirit, if our life is ordered continually in the Holy Ghost, if our life is ordered continually by the Spirit of God, the word we us then are we the sons of God, the we us of God. Let me give you an idea of what it is. Let me pick one of these wee babies. Daniel will pick you. That's a good name. Daniel and Caleb are... are the sons of Stephen and Ruth. Now they know their mom and dad, you see, they're born off them. That's them born. And you and I, we are born of again, born of our father. We know that we are born. But what they don't realise is that and I hope I'm not speaking out of turn mom. But all that Mommy and daddy possess and don't are theirs. All that they ever need or ever will want to have for their good is theirs. And the, the idea is that, that it will be transferred, the fullness is theirs now, but as they grow and learn and walk and are educated, in it, and as they walk with mom and dad and they're taught about it, as they get older, they will receive it. Remember to get the key of the house when you were 21 or something, was it? You know, and you start receiving more and more, this, that's the we us. They are the tech nun. At the minute, in positionally standing, they are we us. They just haven't grown up into it. They haven't realized it. They haven't received it. They haven't grasped hold of it. And that's what many Christians live like all off their days. They don't realize who they are in Christ. They don't realize what they have got in Christ. They realize they're saved. Oh, yes, they're saved. They realize they're born again. Oh, yes, you're the technon of God. You're born again. Yes, you are. But it means you are Possessly, now, brother, sister, every single one of us, we are the we us of God. We must realize who we are in Christ and we must claim what Christ has won for us in his spirit. That's what it means. Paul says, if you are led by the Spirit, and you order your life in the Spirit, he says, then you'll realize that all that Christ is and all that Christ has, he is seated with the Father, and all that he has is yours, and all that he has will come to earth, and you will live with him in root and rain. Does that not sound good? Does that not encourage your heart? Does that not say to you, I must press in to learn more, to seek the face of God? Does that not make you say, I must live right before God? I might be saved, but there's more for me in God. It makes me realize that the more I read this word, the more I realize I'm living below my standards for what Christ has done for me. Because of my sovereign God, my sovereign Father sending his Son, now I'm in his Son— I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's why we can do all things through Christ, which strengthens us. That's all things for his glory, not all things. All things doesn't mean jump off out of a plane without a parachute, by the way. That's not what all things is. All things means uh, all things for his glory, for his kingdom, for his honor. So now look at this what It says here, the spirit of adoption. It gives the idea. It's the wheels and thesis together, and when we are realized, we are adopted in as children of God, sons of God. It means it gives the idea to place the realization of sonship and the attitude belonging to sons within us. Now here's what I'm saying. Please get me right here. Please don't get me wrong. You know i do not I do not believe in the little god mentality teaching now i don't i, I just, in fact i don't believe it whatsoever, so please don't get me wrong. this little god mentality we'll order you god and you 'll do as we want when we want i, I don 't go for that i don 't believe it whatsoever, but notice this. When we are born of the Spirit and we are walking in the Spirit and according to the Word of God, we realize who we are and what we have in Christ. The spirit of adoption adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, this spirit of adoption says, learn to walk in me. Come before your Father with confidence. It says that you can come in his name, through his blood, In his righteousness for his glory. And when we do, we can come with a different attitude. Do you know what's wrong with Christians? We live in a fleshy attitude, a give up attitude, a curl up and die attitude, a bitter attitude, a mourning attitude, a sorrowful attitude, a selfish attitude. That's all the flesh. You're saved, but that's all the flesh. You're not overcoming, you're not overwinning that. That's all the flesh. But when we realize who we are according to this word, according to this Bible that I have here before me, that what it says about you, what it says about me, and what it says about what Christ has accomplished on the cross of Calvary for you and for me and who we are in him, then it means that we realize our sonship. We realize and we have a different attitude. (laughs) an attitude that belongs to sons. Now, Ruth and Daniel are gone. Were they caught up there? (laughs) But taking the children, taking these children, when they're at home and they come at home and maybe they're at school and they come in, it's like my two children, when they're out, my front door's open, they're my children. They just walk in. But if all the kids in the neighborhood just kept walking in and out of your house, you'd be wondering what was happening. Well, they're nearly all walking out of my house anyway, my girls. Our door's never shut. But you would say, but they're not mine. They're not mine. They're not mine. But if my children got to a place where they didn't realize I can walk in that number five door and whenever I get the number five, I can walk in there. If they didn't realize that, they would be missing out on what we have for them at home, their safety, their security, their, their their protection they're missing out on on their feeding on their comforts that i have for them they're missing out on all of us and such is the christian who says there's number 5 but i don't know My attitude says this, and my attitude does that. My attitude says I can't, and my attitude says He won't love me anymore. My attitude says my father doesn't want me anymore. My attitude says that my father won't forgive me anymore. My attitude says this, that, and the other. And the Lord says, No, stop the attitude and become sons and daughters of God. The attitude of saying, He loves me. He loves me. He died for me. That's my father. Savior thou art mine how sweet the thought to me let me repeat thy name and lift my heart to thee you're mine you have according to the authority not of a preacher but of the word of God you have it within you brothers and sisters to claim ownership of Christ and what you'll find is really that he has claimed ownership of you. Amen. Of you. I'm going to round this up. i maybe do a third. one, won't see him lead next week. I don't know. It says, Whereby we cry, Abba, Father. <laughs> Notice here the two spirits that's mentioned in verse 15. We have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. But we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now, we receive the spirit of bondage again, the fear. The spirit of bondage really means the mindset of bondage. Your attitude of bondage. Your mindset will bind you your attitude will bind you, bring you into bondage. In fact, religious mindset and attitude binds us. But your mindset to everything, your attitude will bind you. And it's the spirit of fear. See the word fear? If you go home and look at, well, maybe you don't have it to look it up, but that word fear is the word phobos. Phobos. And it's where you and I get our English word Phobia. God hasn't given you phobias. That's not of God. Talk about phobias. Friday night, we were down at the Wondrous. I have to be honest, Alison and I sneaked into the youth one on Friday night. (laughs) And wanted to see what it was like. For our girls were there, and Chloe had been down, and a couple of the other kids were there. And we just happened to be going down and three one at a time or whatever in the car with us. And I went in and Daniel was doing all the sound and lighting. You could see him at the back. And it's just not my scene, you know. It's just, well, no wonder it's not my scene. But all these teenagers are there and I seen them as they started. This, all I said is this, this wee girl, this wee girl to me. She's walking up and down this platform with an open Bible like this with a microphone oh, and preaching. That's kid preaching like this and the kids are getting up. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And they are wow <laughs> I thought it was fantastic this wee girl wear a bible like that preaching with a microphone she must be the a of duck I don't know what age she was and I thought wow this. so they started to the praise and worship and the band was just this wee girl playing one of those keyboards directing the band as she worshipping and singing I went God, that weaker is phenomenal. This is amazing. They decided to have the, the worship picked up and they all started jumping up and praising the Lord. And I thought, I'm going to jump too, and my sciatic nerve went. And I, <laughs> I realised how old it was getting, you know, so maybe were standing right at the fire back. Thankfully, nobody could see me. The leader of the meeting got up. He says, "Look, we're not going home yet until the Lord's finished here. We're not going to go home yet." It's not a tremendous attitude to have. We're not going home till God's finished. We're not going home. Oh, he's Ten minutes over. That place was packed with teenagers, worshiping, praising, excited about God. And this wee boy get up, and this fellow—he get up, and this—the leader get up there, and it was—he get up and he says. We're not going home till the Lord's finished yet. Maybe the Lord will lay something in your heart. And I'd be honest; I'm saying these are all teenagers. The Lord's not going. They're going to be too shy. The Lord's not going to do anything here. <laughs> oh my goodness! Put you to shame. Their hearts would have put us to shame. This wee boy get up. At the end. They stop worshiping. He takes a microphone. He says, "The Lord would have me to say and He give a word." I broke down in tears. I was at the very back, there was a black curtain down, and Alison turned around to me and I was like, I can't stop this crowd. I was like this all these all these young people and the beauty of the Lord upon them, and the beauty of the worship upon them. And it's not my cup of tea, I'll tell you that. It's not for me. But I'll tell you one thing it was fantastic. And a Norway boy got up. And he starts speaking about those. This is kids. Those who have went weak in faith, go out and get them going. And I, I just couldn't stop the tears running out of me going, here's this wee here's this wee boy. He's like this, he gets up and you know, he, he's a schoolboy. A schoolboy. And the spirit of God's moving on him to get up and encourage all the children to go out and seek all those other children. Who have went astray in their faith and have went astray in God? And I, I, honestly, I my people were chattering with the tears going <laughs> when I was afraid I'd not see me. job was a bit darker, and I was standing at a black curtain. It separated the hall of. This wee boy got up. This is what he said. He stands with his mate. There's a spirit of fear in some of you to worship. Do you remember that? Remember it? It's a spirit of fear in some of you to worship him. It's a some of spirit of fear in some of you to release yourself into God's hands. And away he went. Spirit of fear. He says, There's no there's no spirit of fear upon us. The Lord has not given us the spirit of fear. And he started preaching. He's this height. He was that height. I, honestly, I could hardly contain myself. I just go, Lord, this is just tremendous. This was, this was amazing. That was my biggest blessing of the whole week. See, the problem is, you and I have become, grown up in our years, and the spirit of fear and bondage comes on us where we no longer can allow the Holy Ghost to be the Holy Ghost. We no longer say, God, you're sovereign, and we're not moving, Lord, until you bless us. There's no longer in the church. No longer in our lives where we say, oh, the spirit of fear have got me. What if my neighbors say? What does the person in front of me say? What does the person behind me say? What will my family say? What will my friends say? What if I was to raise my hands and speak in another tongue as the spirit give me utterance? Oh, I would be such a fool. The Holy Ghost says "And you don't want that. I'll move on to someone else. This phobia that's come into the church needs kicked out. This phobia that's come upon the sons of God, you realize that they are the, not the highest, but the technon. Everything's at your disposal, but you haven't learned to put on your armor yet. You haven't learned to put on your armor yet because sometimes we're more, Interested in other things. It's time to get rid of the phobias, brothers and sisters, and realize you're a, you're a we us. We need to grow into it. You and I both, we're always growing into it. There's always more in God. So I finish with this. Thank you for your attention. We've received the spirit of adoption, the attitude belonging to sons and daughters of God. That's the attitude we have. Not the spirit of fear, the mind of fear, the thoughts of fear. But you have received. Notice the word received. The word received means to take and lay hold of and understand it. Will you take hold of it this morning? I'm a child of God. They sang that in wonders. I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. That's what they were singing. The Spirit itself, birth witness with our Spirit that we are the children of God. In verse sixteen, the word therefore, spirit. In both occasions, the spirit of fear and the spirit of adoption is the word pneuma, pneuma, and it gives the idea. Of force, power, and influence. Force, power, and influence. Let me give you an example. You see, you're going up the up the road, and the workmen have it out, and you have to stop at those terrible uh, traffic lights, and you're waiting for ages at them till the traffic lights change because they've taken up half of the road. And you're, as you drive by, there's the guy with the, the earmuffs on, and he bum 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 with the big drill getting into the road, and he's breaking up the concrete of the tarmac. That's called a pneumatic drill. It's powered by wind. It's powered by compressed air. It's the same word here. Those whose minds have been compressed and powered by the wind of fear, of phobia. But when you're saved and you realize who you are in Christ, you are powered by the wind of God, the Spirit of God, and you're adopted. You change your attitude. Hold on a minute. No fear here. I belong to Jesus. (laughs) I'm a child of the King. I belong to God. So, it, that uh, he, the Spirit of God, bears witness in our hearts that I'm a son of God. You're a daughter of God. That's for Christian life and living, the ministry of the Spirit. Think I might do one more next week. Think I might. In God's will, we'll see. Maybe the Lord puts something else in my mind. God bless His Word to all of our hearts.